Coming up on episode 23 of the Keto Camp Podcast, this is part two answering the most common questions on intermittent fasting. Hunger comes in waves. Hormones, all hormones are pulsatile, including ghrelin, your hunger hormone. What does that mean? Your hormones spike up and they always go back down. A lot of the time, it's not really hunger they're experiencing. It is actually a deficiency in salt and electrolytes. The signals kind of get crossed up and you might think you're hungry, but it's actually your body's way of telling you, hey, we need some salt, we need some electrolytes. I'm a certified functional health practitioner who's on a mission to educate 1 billion people. I've been obese for most of my life. From rock bottom to the top of the mountain, I am passionate about studying ancient healing strategies like fasting and the ketogenic diet and curating this information on the Keto Camp podcast. My goal is to bring you the thought leaders in this space. My name is Ben Azadi, and I want to thank you for spending part of your day with me. Well, welcome back to the Keto Camp Podcast, or if this is your first time, welcome. I'm grateful to have you with me today. Last week, we had part one of the most common questions I've been asked on intermittent fasting, and I answered about seven or eight of them, backed them up with science, my experience, and what I've seen with my clients over the years, and that was a great episode. I got a lot of great feedback for that, and I'm doing part two. So I have a lot more questions to answer for you today just to provide you clarity on intermittent fasting. So whether you are a seasoned faster like myself or you're just curious and you want to start doing some fasting, this is going to be the episode for you. It's going to be really straightforward for you to understand the benefits, the science, and how you can implement a fasting schedule in your life so you can get amazing benefits. And we're going to talk all about that. And before we do, I just want to ask you to rate and review this podcast if you getting any value from it, it makes a big difference to rate and review it on iTunes and take a screenshot of this episode, post it on your Instagram story or Instagram feed and tag me in it. My handle is at TheBenazadi, T-H-E-B-E-N-A-Z-A-D-I and I'll be sure to share that on my story and get some people following you back. Let's get this message out there into the world. This podcast is the exclusive go-to resource for all things intermittent fasting, all variations of fasting, the ketogenic diet, longevity, and performance. And this specific episode is sponsored by the world's healthiest keto coffee, Purity Coffee Beans. I get mine delivered to me on auto ship every month. What I love most about Purity Coffee is it's exactly what the name entails. It's pure. It's high in antioxidants. They actually have the most studies and research behind what they do. They have a specialized way of crafting and roasting those beans and they're absolutely delicious. I'm having it right now with my grass-fed ghee, uh, some MCT oil and some sea salt. That's my go-to morning breakfast, if you will, and that powers me through until 4, 5, 6, 7 p.m. sometimes. So if you want to get your bag of Purity Coffee Beans, head over to www.ketocampcoffee.com. Remember, that's camp with a K. Go ahead and get your beans on. Also, I announced 
earlier this week that I will be speaking at the Low Carb USA Conference in Boca Raton, Florida, January 17th through January 19th, 2020. I'm privileged and honored to speak there. There's going to be amazing speakers, Dr. Eric Westman and, and several others who are just huge influencers in this health space, the keto space, the fasting space. And I want to meet you there. I would love to see you at this conference. They are tickets still available. I actually have a coupon code for you to get $100 off your ticket price. If you use the coupon code KETOCAMP at checkout, you will receive $100 off of your ticket price. Head over to lowcarbusa.org and claim your ticket today. This coupon does expire soon, so utilize it. I would love to meet you. And hey, if you come to the event and you bought a ticket using my coupon code, I will personally hand deliver you my fasting cheat sheet, best-selling book, and I will sign it and write you a customized note. How's that for an offer? I'd love to see you there. Head to lowcarbusa.org, use KetoCamp at checkout, and get your ticket today. All right, let's get into this episode all about intermittent fasting and the most common questions answered for you. So last week we left off on muscle. Will I lose muscle when intermittent fasting? And I answered seven or eight questions before that. So if you didn't listen to that episode, it is part one. And you could go listen to that right now, or you could just wait and listen to this one first. I don't think it need, I don't think it really matters. You could listen to this one first and then go back to that. There's no continuation there. So I want to also get to the next question here. And these are questions, by the way, I'm taking from my fasting cheat sheet. And you can get this fasting cheat sheet for free, the digital download over at fasting cheatsheet.com. A common question I get asked, can I exercise when I am intermittent fasting? I used to own a CrossFit gym, as I mentioned, and this was a common question I got all the time. Look, training in the fasted state has been one of the biggest health hacks I've done for myself. Oh my gosh. As I mentioned in the previous episode, when you're fasted, the body is raising counter-regulatory hormones, one of them being human growth hormone, which preserves your muscle, so you will not lose muscle, and your body is pumping you full of energy. So why not use that to crush your workout, to lift some weights, to do some sprints, get a workout in in the fasted state? I can tell you this, when I work out in a fed state, my workouts are just not as good because my body is using some of its energy and resources, some of its blood flow, a lot of it in fact, for digestion and not at the task at hand, which is lifting weights or sprinting or whatever I'm doing. But when you're training in the fasted state, you have all your energy, all your resources, all the blood flow, and it's being directed at the task at hand, which is your workout. So absolutely, you can do it. As I mentioned, you wanna be metabolically flexible and get keto adapted before you do something like this, but you could definitely get it done if you've been following a keto diet. So yes, you can exercise in the fasted state. Intermittent fasting and exercise is great. If you're doing a block fast three days or longer, I do not recommend exercising because your body is kind of preserving a lot of its energy to, to, for healing. And why use that energy for working out when you could use it to heal yourself? So when it comes to a block fast three days or longer, I say, no, I don't recommend working out, but if it's an intermittent fast, 24 hours or less, absolutely. Question, will I get hungry when intermittent fasting? Yes, we all get hungry, but there's something to understand here. Hunger comes in waves. The hunger hormone, ghrelin, think of ghrelin as a gremlin, 
when a gremlin comes out, it makes noise. Nobody likes for it to be around. <laughs> Same thing with your hunger hormone ghrelin. It makes noise. It's not fun to experience. Here's an important fact to understand. Hormones, all hormones are pulsatile, including ghrelin, your hunger hormone. What does that mean? Your hormones spike up and they always go back down. They spike up and they always go back down. So think of hunger as a wave. When that wave of hunger comes in, all you gotta do is ride that wave, keep yourself busy, keep yourself occupied. Maybe you can have some water with some sea salt or even coffee, coffee could suppress appetite. And that wave, that hunger will go away. You just gotta get through that wave. And if you understand this, you know that you're in control and hunger is very normal. A lot of people experience hunger at certain times of the day they're used to eating. You know, lunchtime, dinner time, it's a learned hunger and you could teach your body the opposite of that. So some hacks that I give my clients who are just, they're having trouble with hunger and they wanna really continue the fast. I give them fasting crutches as I like to call them. Coffee, tea, some grass-fed butter, some grass-fed ghee, some coconut oil or some MCT oil to help kind of calm that hunger. I've seen that be a, a great crutch for many people. Now you won't get mo most of the benefits or you won't get as many benefits when you have these crutches, but you, you still get a lot. And if it'll help you get through that fast, go for it. Absolutely go for it. But just understand that hunger, like all hormones, comes in waves. You ride that wave and you'll be on the opposite side of that, which is continuing your fast and getting all the amazing benefits of that fast. Will I get a headache when I intermittent fast? It's not common, but for some people it may happen. If you experience headaches, then they tend to go away after your first couple of fasts. If needed, you can treat your headache as you normally would when not fasting. Just remember to drink lots of water when you're fasting. If you could get fresh air, that would be great. And have some sea salt with your water. I like Redmond's Real Salt. I put them in my water. I drink it throughout my fast. A lot of people who experience headaches, it's because they are deficient in electrolytes. And when you fast, you are losing a lot of electrolytes, a lot of water. So it's always a good idea to replenish that. So during your fast, just sip on some water and a little bit of some sea salt, and that should do the trick. By the way, I just thought of this right now. When most people experience hunger, a lot of the time, it's not really hunger they're experiencing. It is actually a deficiency in salt and electrolytes. The signals kind of get crossed up and you might think you're hungry, but it's actually your body's way of telling you, hey, we need some salt, we need some electrolytes. So it's always a good idea, always a good practice to have high quality sea salt with water every single day, especially if you're fasting and following a keto diet. Next question I get, what can I drink when intermittent fasting? Well, like I mentioned a little while ago, if you wanna get the most from your fast, water and salt, that's it. But if you need something else to kinda of help you go through that fast and complete it, you could have some green tea. I love some yogi green tea or some peak green tea. You could do a fatty keto coffee, like bulletproof coffee. And will it break your fast? Well, it depends. This is a question I get all the time. Will drinking tea, coffee, or any of these, these fats break your fast? Yes and no. It's really variable. You gotta test your glucose to know for sure. And I made a video on this via my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash ketocamp, where I went through 17 different drinks during fasting and I broke down whether or not it breaks your fast. But here's the overall answer for you. You gotta test your blood glucose. If you test your blood glucose, and let's say it is 88, 
in the morning, which is fantastic. 88 is great. And then you have your coffee or your tea or your bulletproof coffee, whatever it is. You want to test your blood glucose again about 30 minutes after. If your glucose goes up by 5 points, 10 points, or more than that, it's breaking your fast. You're going to lose a lot of the autophagy benefits, so it will break your fast. But if your glucose stays the same or even drops a little bit, it's not breaking your fast. It's different for everybody. You would have to test. Now, seasoned fasters will test and they want to know for sure, but if you're just getting started and you want it as a crutch, go for it. Should I take my supplements when intermittent fasting? You can, but I recommend having it during your eating window just so your body could just reset that entire time. And some of those supplements might start the digestive process going. So if you can, I recommend not having your supplements during a fast and having it during your eating window. But it's not a big deal if you do have it with your fast, but it's preferred to have it outside of the fast. It's your call. How often should I practice intermittent fasting? I think the bare minimum for every single human being should be at least 12 hours. 12 hours fasting should be the minimum for everybody because it takes about 12 hours just to process food. Dr. Zach Bush, who is a triple board certified doctor uh, from the University of Virginia, he did a study at the University of Virginia where he, they took college students and they fed them 750 calories of a standard American diet. It was pizza. And they tracked how long it took from digestion, chewing the food to getting out the colon. And it was about 14 hours, okay? That means if they ate that pizza at 8 p.m. at night, the next morning at 8 a.m., they're still digesting that food. So if you're not giving yourself at least 12 hours, you create this backlog and you create a lot of digestive distress. A lot of people have digestive disorders, heartburn, bloating, gas, just a wrecked gut because they're eating too frequently. They have this backlog. And the analogy I like to give is... Just picture this corporate worker named Steven, and he clocks into work at 9 a.m., and he works a full day until 5 p.m. So it's 5 p.m. He's now walking to his car. He's kind of exhausted because he put in a lot of work at the office. As he is entering his vehicle, he gets a phone call from his boss saying, hey, Steven, we need you to come back in and work another five hours on this big project, an important project that just came through. So he reluctantly so walks back into the office and Steven works for another five hours. It's now 10 p.m. at night. He is totally exhausted, walking to his car, ready to just go home and crash for the night. And he gets another phone call from his boss. Steven, we need you to come back in for another five hours to work on this project. This is what's happening to your digestive system when you're eating too frequently. You're never giving it a chance to rest, to reset, to take a break from all these projects you've been giving it, food. So 12 hours should be the bare minimum. As far as maintenance goes and, and following an intermittent fasting schedule long term, I love an 18-6 format, which is 18 hours fasting, 6 hours eating window. Let's make this as simple as possible. You're going to eat all your meals within a 6-hour eating window. So 12 p.m. to 6 p.m. or 2 p.m. to 8 p.m. And intermittent fasting is not about eating less, it's about eating less often. You could still have all the meals you wanna have, all the calories you wanna have, you just have it within a certain window. So you're feasting and then you're fasting. And that is the cycle of life, my friends. Our cells, our DNA are hardwired this way. So I love that 18-6 approach. I follow a philosophy called 511, which you will learn in the fourth pillar of my Keto Kickstart Guide. If you haven't gotten that already, I have a four-pillar approach to burning fat instead of sugar and mastering keto and fasting. The 511 rule 
is a rule I learned from my coach and mentor, Dr. Pampa. Once you get into ketosis and you have reset your metabolism and you no longer have insulin resistance, then what I teach is something called keto flexing, aka diet variation. And the 511 rule is a great long-term rule. How does it work? Five days out of the week, you're doing that 18-6 format I just spoke about. 18 hours fasting, six hours eating, eating keto, staying in ketosis. One day out of the week, you're doing a 24-hour fast. You're just going dinner to dinner or lunch to lunch, getting more of that autophagy. And then that final day, you're doing a feast day. No fasting, high healthy carbs, 100 to 200 grams of high healthy carbs or high protein and low fat that day. This is following that feast famine cycle and that's what I follow. It's my 511 rule. If you wanna learn more about that, I'll put a link in the podcast notes for a video I did. I'll put a link for the video I mentioned about the acceptable liquids on fasting and then also for what I'm talking about here, which is four ways to master keto and fasting. So check out those links in the notes. By the way, utilize the notes of this podcast. We do an extensive job at making sure we provide you with all the links and resources so you could educate yourself further beyond just this episode or all the episodes. Why do I feel cold when intermittent fasting? Another question I get. This happens to me, actually. Fasting increases the blood flow to your body fat. This process is called the adipose tissue blood flow. So when you are fasting, more blood is traveling to your body fat, presumably to help move it to your muscles where it can be burned as fuel. Due to this increased travel to your body fat, vasoconstriction occurs in your fingertips and sometimes your toes just to compensate. So when you start intermittent fasting, your core body temperature will decrease. There's really nothing to worry about and you'll still burn fat. It's a normal response. If you want to take something to lessen the intensity of feeling cold, then take vitamin B1. I like nutritional yeast. I put it in my food. You can also take vitamin B1 as a supplement. That could help with the feelings of cold during your intermittent fast. Will intermittent fasting slow down my metabolism? (laughs) When you embark on this intermittent fasting journey, you're going to hear it from your friends, family members, and associates. They're going to say things like, what are you doing? You are going to starve yourself and wreck your metabolism. Check this out, friends. In a 2000 study published in the American Journal of Clinical Nutrition, subjects went through four days of fasting to determine the impact on the resting energy expenditure, which is the amount of energy your body needs to carry out all basic functions when you're resting. So basically your metabolism. The findings would surprise most people. For the first three days, the subjects all saw their resting energy expenditure increase. The bottom line is that food or the lack thereof food, at least in the short term, has virtually nothing to do with your metabolism. As long as you are eating healthy during your eating window, lifting weights and getting quality sleep, you will get phenomenal fat burning results and you will increase your metabolic rate or you just have more of an efficient metabolic rate. There's really nothing to be scared of. I mentioned what happens with the counter-regulatory hormones. That's why your body is actually preserving your metabolism and not shutting it down. So silence all the noise coming from people who do not understand the physiology of the human body. Those who are telling you you should not fast and not practice keto, it's dangerous. Those are the same people who scream at birds and lecture birds on how to fly. (laughs) They know nothing about it. So just keep doing you. And the only thing that matters are the results that you're getting. Is intermittent fasting safe for women? This has been a topic of controversy in the fasting world for, for many years. And I think it's primarily due to a post that was online, which has been viewed over 100,000 times. And the author wrote this in 2012. And what she wrote was, 
Intermittent fasting in women. Should women fast? A few studies that exist point towards no, unquote. Look, nothing is further from the truth. There are hundreds of studies spanning over 100 years and clinical experience spanning over 5,000 years that point to the fact that women and men respond more or less equally, except in the underweight situation. Consider the past 2,000 years of human history. Are Muslim women exempt from fasting? Are Buddhist women exempt from fasting? Are Catholic women exempt from fasting? No. If you look at Dr. Jason Fung, who actually, his episode's coming out on Monday, episode 24 of the Keto Camp podcast, in his clinic, they've treated close to 1,000 patients, actually over that right now, and have noticed no significant difference between men and women. If anything, the women tend to do better. Men, it seems, are just big babies sometimes. I'll mention it here too, that the highest success rates come when husband and wife do it together. That's an important note. Is intermittent fasting safe for somebody with thyroid disorder? In general, the thyroid hormone is not really affected during periods of intermittent fasting. It's really the counter-regulatory hormones that are influenced during fasting. With that being said, if you have an underactive thyroid, you might need more feast days, and I teach this in my diet variation. Look, there's no cookie-cutter approach to this. You gotta, you gotta get a customized approach for you. And I'd love, if you have a thyroid disorder, I'd love to have a conversation with you to see what we can put together in terms of a, a customized approach. You can email me at ben at ketocamp.com, and we could talk more about that. Who should not practice intermittent fasting? I would, I should probably put this have answered this question at the beginning because if you fall into this category, there was no need to listen to this point. <laughs> Look, common sense isn't so common anymore. If you fall into the following categories, it's probably not a good idea for you to fast. Pregnant women, children, anyone with a history of extreme adrenal issues, anyone who is underweight or malnourished, anyone with a history of an eating disorder. A side note with the eating disorder, Fasting does not cause an eating disorder the same way washing your hands doesn't cause obsessive compulsive disorder. Just because the behavior is the same doesn't mean the disease is the same. So if you fall into any of those categories, take extreme caution, work with the practitioner, and find an approach that works best for you. Here are three ways to practice intermittent fasting if you're thinking about starting it. The most common approach that I see out there, which I like this approach, it's the 16-8 daily fasting. An example of this would be having your first meal at 12 p.m. lunchtime and your last meal at 8 p.m. That means from 8 p.m. to 12 p.m., you're going to fast, a 16-hour fasting period. This is a great long-term approach. You could always customize it to your schedule and you could have breakfast and skip dinner, whatever works best for you. But the 16-8 format is a good one. You could also do an alternate day intermittent fasting schedule. This is fasting for a 24-hour period every other day. For example, you would eat normally on Monday, breakfast, lunch, and dinner then continue fasting Tuesday until dinner, 24-hour fast. This might be difficult for some people, especially those who have business lunches and social outings, but it's a great option. There's also the 5-2 technique, which was popularized by British journalist Michael Mosley. It's called the 5-2 diet because five days of the week you are eating normally, while the other two days you restrict calories to 500 to 600 per day and you keep your protein low, which will help with the autophagy. So those are three common options for you. I, as I mentioned in my video, give you four other variations that are more powerful than this and more of a long-term approach. So I'll put that link in the notes. Go watch it. It's called Four Ways to Master Keto and Fasting. How do you practice intermittent fasting for fat loss? It's basic. If you don't eat, you lose weight. <laughs> That's a blanket statement that most people can understand. What I teach has nothing to do with calories because your body is not a bank account. It is not a math equation or a calculator. 
The body is a complex chemistry lab. The body does not have any receptors or mechanisms for counting calories. So why the heck do people still continue to count them? When it comes to having a, a weight problem, there's actually no such thing. When I was obese, weighing 80 pounds heavier than I do today, I didn't have a weight problem. I had a weight symptom. The real problem is the hormones and the metabolism. Most programs fail long-term because they focus on losing weight to get healthy. They have a completely backward. You don't lose weight to get healthy. You get healthy to lose weight. Once you use intermittent fasting and keto to downregulate inflammation, to make your hormones more sensitive, you get healthier, and then a side effect is you lose weight. The reason why intermittent fasting is so powerful at burning fat is because, hey, when you don't eat, insulin does not get called. Insulin is the fat ultimate, it's the only fat storage hormone we have. It is the bully on the block. When insulin is out, your fat-burning hormones, they're running away. When you fast, insulin is asleep, and your fat-burning hormones are playing, and they're doing its job. So yes, intermittent fasting, if you practice it frequently, is a powerful way to get healthy and lose weight. And I just want to go back to the calories thing. Who do you think came up with this energy balance hypothesis, a.k.a. really a deception? Coca-Cola did. In fact, here's a quote from them. Quote, Balance matters. A 12-ounce can of Coke in the U.S. has 140 calories. All of our beverages, along with sensible diet choices and enough physical activity, can be part of an energy-balanced, active, healthy lifestyle. Think, drink, move, and find your happy balance. Unquote. <laughs> Does anybody else feel like puking? They came up with this, and guess what? You might be asking, why are nutritionists and dietitians and doctors, great people, still teaching this? We have PhDs still teaching this. Well, guess what? The Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, do you know where 40% of the funding comes from? Big food companies like Coca-Cola. So there's a lot of corruption at play. They're not bad people, these doctors, nutritionists, and dietitians. They've just been taught this. But when you actually start applying it, you realize that it does not work. It only works short-term, never works long-term. And I have an episode all about this on the Keto Camp podcast. You could go listen to that. I forget which episode it was, but it's it's on there. It's I think it was episode 17. If you're a coach or a dietitian or a nutritionist and you're telling your clients to just count your calories, eat less, move more, that doesn't give you enough data. That's like going to a workshop with Bill Gates to learn how to earn money and become financially free. And you raise your hand and you say, hey, Bill, Bill, how how, are, how is it that you're so rich? And Bill looks at you and says, well, I'm rich because I spend less than I earn. Next question. <laughs> okay, he, he would be laughed out of that room because it just does not give you enough data. So I want you to just consider that calories matter, but they're not important. What's more important is the hormones and the metabolism. Let's stop focusing on calories. It's a huge distraction. Let's start focusing on real health. The last thing I want to share with you is many people... When I talk about intermittent fasting in my lectures and my videos, they think they can't do it. They think that they're going to just die or their stomach is going to explode if they skip a meal, if they skip that donut in the morning. Here's an extreme example for you just to paint the picture on how the human body is created and set up to, to function. Do you know the Guinness World Record for the longest recorded fast? 382 days. Okay, It was a morbidly obese Scottishman named Angus Burberry who had nothing but water and a multivitamin for 382 days. His starting weight was 450 pounds, and he finished at 180 pounds. 
his electrolytes, his blood work, everything felt, looked amazing and he felt amazing. This is just an extreme example to show you the body knows what to do. We eat food, we store fat. We don't eat food, we burn the fat. So please understand that skipping that donut, it's not a big deal. This is why you don't die when you're sleeping. Your body knows what to do. Intermittent fasting is one of the most powerful tools in the health toolbox. You gotta know what you're doing, you gotta use it the right way, the same way a chainsaw is a powerful tool and can help you get the job done. A chainsaw could also hurt you if you don't know what you're doing. More important than the tool is the person who wields it. So if you wanna learn more about intermittent fasting, get my Keto Kickstart Guide where I talk about keto and fasting and then I teach you diet variation. It's a free guide. You could get it over at www.ketokickstartguide.com. If you want group coaching on this, I'd love for you to consider joining my Keto Camp Inner Circle. Go to ketocamp.com and learn more about that and I could teach you and I could coach you and we do a lot of cool things in that program. If this episode has been helpful to you, please take 30 seconds today out of your day to rate and review this podcast. It makes a big difference for the show when you just take time to do that. So I would appreciate that if you could do it on iTunes. And if you're not subscribed to this podcast, go ahead and hit the subscribe button. And also the YouTube channel, the Keto Camp YouTube channel, we are putting out a lot of content there, youtube.com slash Keto Camp. Take a screenshot of this episode and post it on your Instagram story or on your Instagram profile and tag me and I'll be sure to share it on my story. My Instagram handle is at TheBenazadi, T-H-E-B-E-N-A-Z-A-D-I. And finally, make sure you get your ticket for the Low Carb USA Conference in Boca Raton, Florida, January 17th through the 19th, 2020, lowcarbusa.org. Use KetoCamp at checkout for $100 off your ticket. Thank you so much for spending part of your day with me. Stay tuned for the next episode coming out with Dr. Jason Funk. Have an amazing day. This podcast is for information purposes only. Statements and views expressed on this podcast are not medical advice. This podcast, including Benazadi, disclaim responsibility from any possible adverse effects from the use of information contained herein. Opinions of guests are their own, and this podcast does not accept responsibility of statements made by guests. This podcast does not make any representations or warranties about guest qualifications or credibility. Individuals on this podcast may have a direct or non-direct interest in products or services referred to herein. If you think you have a medical problem, consult a licensed physician.